you're here. Um, I'm not going to be as funny as the guy who was here before, so just be ready for that. <laughs> uh, but this quarter we're going to talk about um, Jesus in the land of Israel. Um, as we begin this morning, let's bow in prayer. Most gracious God and Father, we're so thankful for this morning, us being here today. We're so thankful for your word and your guidance. We're so thankful for so many things that you give us. We are blessed to be your children. We're thankful for our congregation. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to um, reach out to those around us each day and tell others about your son and his life. Uh, bless us as we go through class this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to be using the PowerPoint this quarter, and so uh, it's back there, and I'm up here, so uh, I don't have a monitor, so we'll be going through slides, and I might get off, so just bear with me, <laughs> um, and we'll just figure it out. Like I said, this morning we're going to talk about uh, Jesus and the land. Places in this world are different, and people are different, beliefs are different, values are different. And although people don't think much of the land, the earth we live on, uh, it plays a significant role in the cultural differences we have. In our study today, we're going to look at the land of Israel and the land where Jesus walked. Um, first slide I like to show uh, when I'm giving a presentation at work to people in other states is really how big is Alaska? It's just huge. And it's a different place than any other place. Um, it's twice as large as any other state. I like to tell my Texas friends that. They, they think Texas is the end all to be all. Uh, it has more coastline than the rest of the United States combined. It has the highest mountain in North America. It has fewer roads than their state. It has the lowest population density of 1.3 people per square mile. Listen to the other state. It's the last frontier. Uh, people here are independent. Many live in remote areas. We have a long history of people who have lived here in a subsistence lifestyle. Any day in Anchorage, you can walk out and run into a bear or a moose. Um, I used to fly around Alaska a lot, and you can fly for hours and not see any human or anything man-made. Alaska is a different place. Now, my boys live right now in Texas, and uh, for them, Texas is really different. The land is different. The people are different. They have a different history. There's a little coastline there few lakes and rivers, and compared to Alaska, has no mountains. Uh, less wild creatures. My boys will tell you that only the only thing in Texans that Texans care about is football and going to church. <laughs> so you Texans are unique, too. My oldest son was able to go to uh, England on a study abroad uh, Just a couple slides. Um, he was able to go to England on a study abroad this last semester, and it was a unique experience for him. There they speak English, sort of. 
they have different money they go by different weights and measures they drive on the wrong side of the street the cultural values are different than America uh, here's a picture of Windsor Castle Windsor Castle is a thousand years old if you uh, if you find a house in Anchorage that's a hundred years old it's about ready to fall down so Windsor Castle was magnificent So what would we find if we were able to travel back to the first century Judea? How would we be able to, we would be able to walk where Jesus walked. We wouldn't understand the language. We wouldn't understand the people, the customs. We would think it would be a poor place. They have no technology. Completely different way of thinking and existence. Yet, as we read the Word of God, it speaks to us just like it did back then to them. What did the first century Jews hear when they heard Jesus speak? We all see and understand the Word of God through our own experiences. So in this series of lessons, we're going to look and try to understand the culture of the first century Judea at the time of Christ, so that the words of the stories we find in the Bible may have greater meaning to us and greater relevance. The writers of the Bible believed that you understood the geology and the land of Israel because they were writing the people who lived there. Understanding the land is important for us to clearly understand the stories of the Bible. Ninety percent of the Bible takes place in this area, this area of the land of Israel. The wilderness wanderings, Egyptian bondage, the missionaries of Paul are all outside this area and do not take place here. But so far, in a way, the rest of the Bible takes place in this land, the land of Israel. We know the first four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as the Gospels. A scholar named Barnell Pitchner has called the land of Israel the fifth gospel, meaning the importance of the land, the geography, and the understanding of the stories of the Bible are found here. So this morning we're going to look and talk about this land as we look at the pictures of the countryside and the towns and maps of Israel. Israel is on the other side of the world. How big is it? It's hard for us to have a concept of this country of Israel. And if I can get this to work... to do this really slowly. Okay, I'm going to go on. <laughs> How big is Israel? Israel's a small country. It's about the same size as New Jersey. And I'm going to get that up here in a minute. There we go. It's about the same size as New Jersey. An F-16 fighter pilot can fly from the northern part of Israel to the southern part in 15 minutes. They can fly across the width of this country in less than 45 seconds. And yet there are some features about this small country that are truly unique in the entire world. So we're going to go over some characteristics. Uh, this is a topography map of Israel. Mount Hermon near the north 
uh, the north part of this, near the Sea of Galilee, rises 9,000 feet above sea level. I'm going to be able to point that out. It is right up there. Mount Hermona is 9,000 feet above sea level. And less than 100 miles away, if you go south to the Dead Sea, right here, that's 1,412 feet below sea level. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on Earth where you can breathe air. Very unique. There are trenches in the ocean that are deeper, but you cannot breathe air there. Fighter pilots, I'm told, also like to fly through this area because their altimeter shows zero. They are below sea level. There's Mount Hermon, the topography, and a cross-section here. You can see uh, Jerusalem up at the top of the mountain here, the side slope down to the ocean, and here's the Dead Sea below sea level. Because of this, extreme changes in elevation, there are extreme changes in ecological zones, meaning when you travel to the lands of Israel, you better be prepared for all conditions, wet, dry, hot, cold, because you have all these types of climates. Now we're going to look at this map, and we're going to try, uh, draw a few lines on here and put this into four quadrants like this. And these are the four different environmental conditions that we find in Israel. So if we look at the upper left quadrant, it is the wettest part of this country. It gets from 40 to 60 inches of rain. In Israel, it takes 11 inches of rain to get a crop, so they have no problem raising crops in this area. So from the Bible, we find these stories. Remember how Samson the tails of 300 foxes and let them loose in the grain fields of the Philistines. That happened up in this upper quadrant here. You remember on the Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields with his disciples, and they began to pick the heads of grain, and the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? That happened in that upper left quadrant. Also, from Matthew 13, the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them things in a parable, saying, What would he be telling them in a parable? A farmer went out to sow seed. And as he scattered the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So we see the stories that Jesus talks about and the stories of the Bible play out in different sections of this land we call the land of Israel. Now if we go down to the southwest quadrant, down here on the southwest, we see that it has 80 to 20 inches of rain. 
on average. They do grow grain there, but it's a bit drier, so they also tend sheep. As you recall in First Samuel, Samuel travels to where? Bethlehem, to anoint David as the new king. But David can't be found, right? He's out tending the sheep. Also, when Jesus was born, he was born where? In Bethlehem? You can barely see it right there. He was born in Bethlehem. And from the star, who followed the star in to visit Jesus? The shepherds who lived nearby, who were tending sheep. Also in John 10, it says, Jesus was in uh, Jerusalem. And he said, Very, very, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So we see many of the stories of the Bible, many of the things Jesus says, he teaches lessons based on where he is on that on the land of Israel. Now we saw earlier the mountain range runs north and south of Jerusalem. The upper right quadrant we see up here. Upper right and lower right are much, much drier. The lower right is the driest and gets an average of two to four inches a year. So when we read the stories of the Bible and we want to find out where something took place, we need to find out where it's located. And it may just be seemed a very small distance apart, but it can be very different in topography and conditions. So understanding the climatic conditions of this land is important when we read the stories of the Bible. Now if we turn to Matthew 5, there's something that uh, is read there that we might be interested in. It says, Matthew 5.45, Now we say when we talk about weather, like don't rain on my parade, right? So rain in our culture is bad. But we like a sunny day. Sunny day is good. Well, in antiquity... It was just the opposite. Rain was good, and sun was bad. Remember this uh, country has no natural water supplies, so that rain is very important. If we look at the sequence, we make we uh, look at the sequence. He makes the sunshine on the evil. It says in 5:45, and the good. Most of the rain that falls, due to the steepness, rolls down the hill and into the Sea of the Jordan, into the Sea or the Jordan River. That is why in the Bible you read about cisterns and other sources of water. Vegetation. Because the climate is both temperate and ter- tropical, that can raise everything in this area from apples, bananas, all kinds of fruit and vegetables are grown here. Animals. It is said that you sit at the... S- Animals. You said you said it's a sit at the Jordan River Valley. You can count as many as two hundred different kinds of birds. A great variety of vegetation also gives rise to different kinds of animals. Biodiversity is high due to the different ecological zones in Israel. Now here's a photo about geology. In this little country, you have various different kinds of geological formations. Because of this, historically, you see different kinds of building materials. 
mostly out of stone. What was Jesus' profession? He was the son of a carpenter. Well, you don't see a lot of wood in this country. The houses are made of stone. The buildings are made of stone. Jesus was, the Greek word is, a tecton. Meaning he was a craftsman, a builder, a construction worker. Most likely, a stonemason. What's your concept of a construction worker? A stonemason. I see a lot of pictures of Jesus' paintings and art that he's thin, spindly. I wouldn't say weak, but that's how it appears sometimes. A construction worker is not thin. He's not spindly. You recall Jesus cleansing the temple right? With whips. Jesus was a strong man. Now, let's look at the bodies of water. You can remember the bodies of water very easily. You just go the med, the red, the dead, and the Sea of Galilee. So the Mediterranean, the ocean to the west, we can see here, but we see very few stories about the Mediterranean. Um, the salt content of the Mediterranean you see is 3.7% salinity. It's a typical level. The Red Sea to the south, you can see is 4.2. That's down here. But the Dead Sea salinity factor is 32%. Uh, if any, anyone has been to the Great Salt Lake, uh, the salinity factor there is 11%. So 32% salinity factor is incredible. It's not really the Dead Sea. It's really the dead sludge. Being the low lowest water body on Earth, the water has nowhere to go. It's very heavy very smelly. It has been known for excuse me. It has been known for centuries to have healing properties, very popular with tourists in this destination. Like I said, it's the lowest lake on earth. And you float like a bobber if you get in there. <laughs> sea of Galilee. Uh is the is the lowest freshwater lake on Earth? It's 690 feet below sea level. It has 23 types of fish that are native to this lake. It's about 12 miles long and seven miles across. If you stand on the west side, you can see all the way across to the other side. You can see cars driving on the other side of the lake. It's also called Lake Kinneret which means heart-shaped. And at this location, it's in the bottom of a valley. 
So there's mountains on all sides, which means when winds come up, it causes very rough water. And we know a number of stories about that, where Jesus calmed the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful place. I've not been there. (laughs) Have any of you been to Israel? Okay, you guys can come up and talk in a minute. (laughs) There's the big waves around the Sea of Galilee. The ministry of Jesus focused most on these three villages, this area on the North Sea of Galilee, up here. Capernaum, Chorazin, Bethsaida. Matthew twelve, Matthew four twelve, after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he returned and made Capernaum his hometown. No longer Nazareth, Capernaum. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. Mark 2.1 A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So Jesus put away Nazareth and lived in Capernaum. Now why would he do that? You see Nazareth over here to the left. Nazareth is up in the hills. Nazareth, the word Nazareth means branch. Now you heard one of the disciples say, nothing good come out of, comes out of Nazareth. Now why would that be? It's a small village. There's no roads to Nazareth. It was known to be an ultra-conservative, narrow-minded, believing place. They would believe they were the only righteous ones. Now, Capernaum was on the highway, the Vimaris. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So Jesus spent most of all his time around those three villages. Now the lake, the the Sea of Galilee, the fish, uh, the disciples fish there. Now we, comp- we c- our concept is this: they go take their boat out and then they go fish on the sea and the lake. But they didn't do that exactly. What they did was they fished in all the little coves around the edge of the lake, but they didn't go out here in the middle. The middle was the abyss. The middle was area of demons. The middle was where Baal hang out. So they fished in the coves. We talked about the high winds, the high seas there where Jesus calmed the seas. Um, and they didn't go to the other side. The other side was the pagan side. This was the side where the Israelites lived.
and we see a larger map here, and it shows a constant of Europe, Asia, and Africa all converge, really, right here in the land of Israel. So what was it about the land of Israel that was so popular? Well, trade from Egypt to Europe goes this way, and Europe to Egypt goes this way, so people were traveling through Israel all the time. And here are the travel routes. And you can see many of the travel routes go right through the land of Israel. In fact, uh, two main highways, the Via Maris, which means the way of the sea here, and the King's Highway travels through here. Now the Via Maris goes right through the top of the Sea of Galilee, where is the town of Capernaum. Nearby were two great uh, Arabian deserts, the, the Sahara. Winds came out of the desert, and the people watched the signs of the weather and the signs of the wind that came out of these two deserts. And finally, finally, Egypt had uh, numerous gods. They worshipped the gods of the Nile, the Mesopotamia, along the Euphrates River. They also worked, worshipped many other gods. Greeks worshipped many gods. But one, but no one worshipped any of these gods anymore. The god that is worshipped today is worshipped from this area, the area of Israel. Luke 3.4 says, And it is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and, and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough waves smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. might be interesting to you if we go back from this quote from Isaiah, it says something slightly different. It says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths in the desert a highway for our God. So people believed in that day and that time that the God, the true God, would come from the wilderness. A God from the desert region of Israel. The God of the desert is the one that God, that is the God that is worshipped today. If we look back at our map, we didn't talk much about the right side of this map, the right two quadrants. Life over there is unpredictable. You never know how much water you're going to get. Life is silent and lonely. It's a long way between towns. It is called the wilderness which means uninhabited areas. Where did Moses encounter God? He encountered God in the desert, in the wilderness. Where did Jesus go when he was tempted? He went into the wilderness. Life over there is exhausting. There are still Bedouin that live over there in this area today. It's a tough life. Only 10% of the population made it past 40 in the biblical world. 
life is especially exhausting for women. As Bedouin to raise children, to find water, to find food, to find firewood, to make a meal. A Bedouin woman cares for the sheep, she sews the tents. Life for her is terribly exhausting. People here are always living on the edge they will ha- if they will have enough water and enough food. We don't have a lot of stories of encounters over there. Jesus went across the lake from time to time. On one time he encountered a uh, demon-possessed man. Life on left stage, where you get six, 40 to 60 inches of rain, over there you're going to get a crop. The question is not how much, it's as Jesus told in his story, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You might remember the parable about the man who asked himself if she should tear down his barns and build bigger barns. Jesus tells stories or parables that pertain to people where they live. Josephus, the historian, said in reference to the area of Galilee, it invites those least inclined to look, work upon it. Meaning, what you could, meaning that you could take a handful of seed and throw it out of the ground and get back a crop. On the left side, life is easy. Most of the big cities are over here. 353 towns and cities were mentioned in the Bible, and almost all of them are over here on the left side. Life is easy. Not only are you making or growing a crop for your family, you, you also create a surplus, sometimes even selling things. When you make a profit, you can hire people. Now, usually we think of the apostles as kind of poor, but as you recall, when Jesus called James and John, they left their father Zebedee's and, if you recall what? The hired men, and followed Jesus. They were well off. They had servants working for them. On the right stage, the average person does not have service. On the left stage, people were wealthy. All this means is the people on the right side had a questionable existence. They struggled. In the Bible, between the Israelites, uh, took the Israelites were always in trying to control this area. Remember that God gave them this entire land, but they didn't drive out the Philistines. And ever since the time of Abraham, they have trouble controlling this entire area. And the few times where the Israelites did control both sides, both right and left stage, they often forgot God. When life is predictable, when it's easy, when you know you're going to get a crop, we can see in the history of Israel who needs God, correct? So God said, look at the book of Jeremiah. O Israel, how I wish I could take you back to the desert, the wilderness wanderings where we see as punishment to the Israel, but that was a time when Israelites really relied on God. We often pray and feel blessed when God takes away our difficulties and problems. But our struggles are a blessing. They remind us that we need to rely on God. So as we read through the Bible, we really need to be cognizant of where they are where they are on this land. Who is Jesus talking to? There's a big difference between speaking to these people in Galilee and speaking to the people in South Judah. 
Okay. Well, there's one last place we want to visit today, and that's Caesarea Philippi. And you see it right way up there. Caesarea Philippi was named after the Philip's son of Herod the Great. And this town was originally built by the tribe of Dan. They moved up from the south because they couldn't drive out the Philistines from their areas, so they moved up there. This town is at the foot of Mount Hermon, and there is a spring there that forms the headwaters of the Jordan River. This became a pagan area. In the Old Testament times, the people here worshipped the fertility god Baal, but at the time of Christ, the people worshipped the fertility god Pan. You, rem- you may remember Pan as a half-man, half-sheep Greek god. Now, Caesarea Philippi had this spring that I said was the headwaters to the Jordan River. And this spring came out of a cave in the side of a rock, large rock hill. The locations referred to this spring as the Gates of Hell. Why? Probably because they worshipped the Tilde God and they thought the water was provided them from hell. And since This is where the water was provided that developed the worship area and and carved into the massive rocks the likeness of Pan. Now this is at the time of Christ. There's at least five protocols or carved out areas where the idol was put and that can still be seen here today. Did you ever wonder why right before Jesus went to Jerusalem to die that he brought his disciples to the city the city of Caesarea Philippi? It's way out of the way. It's 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Why would he travel way up there? I believe he traveled here to have a conversation. He wanted to have a conversation with his disciples. Matthew 16 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah.
In light of what we just read, they were standing in front of this large rock face. Peter said, You are the Son of the living God. Not like any of these other gods that are carved into this face of the rock. Now the Catholics believe that the statement Jesus says that on this rock, Peter, he is going to build his church, meaning Peter was the rock. We understand that that's what they believe. We believe and have always said that the rock is Peter's statement or confession that Jesus is the Christ. But here we are, standing in front of this huge rock, Jesus speaking to his disciples. There might be another concept that we might consider. And that is the rock. That is the rock that is going to be built on this rock, the rock of the pagans, meaning my church, my body of believers, my disciples will come and take place of these religious practices. My church will overcome and conquer this pagan place. And it has, hasn't it? We said already that one worships the God of, that no one worships the God of the Nile anymore. No one worships the God of the Greeks anymore. No one worships Pan anymore. But across the world, people worship the true God the God of the desert, the God of the Bible. Thank you for your attention this morning. Uh, so as our first lesson in the series, um, just want to lay some background about the land of Israel and the land where Jesus and the disciples walked. Uh, hopefully um, it's helped you understand kind of the area the size, the features, um, and next week we'll go on from there with some other cultural values that uh, we want to investigate. I do have uh, a great book that I will lend to somebody if they want to look at it. Um, we'll even give you more visual stimulation about the land of Israel. Most of this is from the air. Um, I'm willing to lend this out as long as you give it back to me. <laughs> Uh, thank you for attention, and uh, we're dismissed.